Hello, Rutgers fans. This is John Otterstead. Today, I am with two members of the ScarletNation.com staff. I have Sean Brown and Bobby Darren, Bobby, who is always with us. But Sean, it's a special treat. He is one of our recruiting gurus on the site. Sean, I'm going to jump right in with the recruiting questions. This is our recruiting extravaganza episode today because uh, the season's about to start. We probably should be talking, you know, getting ready, how the team is getting ready for the season. But on ScarletNation.com, we're always interested not only in this year's team, but next year's team, the year beyond that. And there are probably very few people out there in the state of New Jersey who can comment on the prospects for Rutgers better than you. So here's my first question. Very simply, Sean, what do you think of the recruiting class thus far? You know, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked quite a bit about how New Jersey in the class of 2018 isn't as strong as it's been in some recent years, um, you know, and obviously it's home base for Rutgers. So they've, they've done a good job of, you know, extending their reach, extending the state of Rutgers, uh, so to speak, um, and, you know, mining of the states that they recruit to, to get some some really good prospects. And it was it seemed a little dicey for a while, obviously coming off a two and ten season. Uh then, you know, they started getting some commits and obviously summertime, summer camps, it, they really started rolling. They, they picked up some pretty good momentum um, in the past couple of weeks, especially. That recruiting class is ranked 47th. Uh, when I look at it, I see a lot of three-star recruits. And I know not all three-star recruits are created equally, so to speak. We've discussed this on the podcast before. What do you think of those recruits when you look at them across the board? Is it a solid class for Rutgers? And, um, you know, are there solid three-star recruits or some guys perhaps who um, should deserve some attention for a fourth star? No, it's definitely solid. I mean, you know, I know Bobby and I uh, have talked quite a bit about Isaiah Pacheco uh, from Vineland. The, you know, he's a he's a quarterback for them, but it's, you know, high school thing, best athlete, touch the ball every play. He'll play running back at Rutgers. You know, we think that he definitely should be considered for four-star status. Uh, Zaire Lacewell um, from Tottenville, Staten Island, which has, you know, been a school that's been very good to Rutgers in recent years. He's a guy that, um, you know, he's going to come in as a receiver, but a lot of people project him as a linebacker. He's a, a four-star linebacker type of guy. Uh, the recent commitment from uh, Raekwon O'Neal in South Carolina, he's a guy, his, his offer list, If you know, if you didn't show the stars and all you saw his offer list, you're like, wow, that's, that's a, far, a four-star talent. Um, it's going to be four star for Lacewell as well, but four star for O'Neill, um, pulling him out of South Carolina, but obviously a lot of ties to, um, the tri-state area and even the surprise commitments in the guy like EJ Turner, uh, from Georgia, you know, his program is one of the top programs in, in the state of Georgia. His, uh, his quarterback is the number one recruit in the country, uh, for rivals.com, um, Trevor Lawrence. So to get a guy like that, who had no intention to commit. When he visited Rutgers, and by the time he stepped on the plane, he was committed. You know, they they've definitely you know done well and got some guys that. And Ahmad Anderson is another guy. I saw Ahmad as a freshman against Erasmus Hall against uh, Deontay Roberts and Erasmus Hall um, in the playoffs in New York City, and I was wild by him then. And I'm not surprised to see the you know progression he's had on the field. Um, and he was a guy, the top board type guy for Rutgers. And he's he's riding the cusp of four stars as well. All right. Well, Bobby, I want to throw the same question at you, the initial one. What do you think of the recruiting class thus far? 
I think he's, they're putting together a solid class. Um, as Sean said, I agree with him on all the four stars that he mentioned, or the potential four stars, I should say. Uh, there's a few gambles in there. And, you know, when you have to go that far out of state, uh, a lot of these kids aren't in your backyard. So some of it may be a bit more of a gamble than a kid that you know for the last three years or whatnot that is in state. But I think they've done a good job considering that it's not a big year in New Jersey, and it's not a big year for Rutgers in New Jersey as well. Sometimes you have a bunch of kids that just want to stay home. And I think the strategy for the staff was to throw out a lot of offers, and people started to panic a little bit when they weren't getting any commitments early in the spring. But all those offers went out, and they stayed on those kids, so they had a bigger base once all these other classes started filling up. So um, that's what you saw in the last couple months, I think, that some of these kids who might have had eight, nine, ten offers were down to four or five offers. Rutgers was right there from the beginning and continued to stay the course, and I think it really paid dividends. Um, you know, I, I always say that you really can't go with the rankings once signing day comes because you really don't know how these guys are going to pan out. But um, I think it's looking like a solid class. They fill some positions of need, and um, I, I was surprised after the slow start that they've done as well as they have. Well, one thing I've noticed in the past that – it seems like the recruiting strategy for Rutgers changes depending on the staff. There's some times where Rutgers seems to be pretty stingy with the offers, and there's other times where it seems like there's a wider array of players being offered. I think back just a few years ago, there was this one year where it seemed like Toledo offered every single player who was recruitable in the Northeast, or actually in the t across the entire country, it seemed like. Every time we spoke to somebody, they had a Toledo offer, just kind of randomly. When you two look at Rutgers right now, what is their strategy, maybe perhaps compared to some of the previous regimes in terms of offering? Are they offering a wider array of players? Are they holding back offers and giving them out strategically uh, across the year? What do you think about that, guys? First, we'll start with Sean. They are definitely just throwing out offers um, all over the place, so to speak. You know, when you when you think about the whole the difference in regimes with, especially with the local guys with with Flood, they were really making a big extravagant thing they would make sure the local kid you know he got on campus with his family he would do the whole tour and then at the end of the tour you know oh here here is your off from Rutgers you would take the picture next to the night in the office that was the whole big thing um and <laughs> the laugh of the fan base said, oh, we we hid that photo with the night with flood but that was that was the Rutgers thing you know and the kids got the photo and that was like the you know solidifying you had the official off from Rutgers um but here with Ash and the staff, even with the the local guys, you know they've they've thrown out a lot of offers. Um, and then obviously, they're going into more states than than Rutgers has in recent years. Um, it's evident by the commitment lists, and you know you got guys from California, South Carolina, and Georgia, but they they're throwing out a lot of offers, and it's it's from our perspective, it's I think a bit more difficult to track because you know sometimes it's hard to see who who the priority is and who isn't. Um, and the staff is so much more aggressive too. They're keeping in contact with a lot of guys. Uh, not just throwing out random offers and letting them float in the wind. What do you think of that strategy? I know sometimes in the past when I've seen Rutgers focus more on New Jersey. Now, obviously, everyone wants Rutgers to do well in New Jersey. They want Rutgers to go after the top recruits well. But sometimes they're going after guys perhaps who are from schools that are not very pro Rutgers or maybe some players who just want to get out of the state. And you think to yourself, if Rutgers – went to other states and went for those guys who want to get out of their own states. And perhaps it would be a very appealing option. And perhaps there's some places where the name of Rutgers is even um, more highly regarded than in some of the schools around New Jersey, perhaps some of the parochial schools. 
you know, perhaps they do better. Perhaps that wider uh, net would be a good thing. What do you think about that? I mean, I think it's a good idea. I mean, the, at the end of the day, the goal is to win football games. Um, and if, you know, Ash gets to turn around and, and they're successful in the Big Ten, you know, the fans won't care where the guys are coming from as long as the wins are, are being produced. Um, obviously, you know, he, he mentioned, and anyone that I think takes the job at Rutgers, uh, New Jersey is a great football state, especially those uh, parochial schools you mentioned. You want to be able to get those kids from there. But if you can't, you have to find talent elsewhere. And, you know, if they're not receptive, then they have to get guys, you know, from other states that are, are willing to come to the program and hold it in a higher regard. Bobby, what do you think about the New York contingent of recruits Rutgers has been going after lately? And actually, I guess that goes even back to Shiano and Flood regimes. Flood had a lot of connections in New York, but it seems like they're making a particular effort in the state right now, particularly in New York City. What do you think? You know, I've always had mixed feelings about the New York. Um, you know, you could find some talent there. I, I felt Flood had a lot of reaches in New York, but I think this might be, uh, at least going into signing day, the most solid New York class I've seen at Rutgers, as far as I can remember. I mean, you go down the list, Ahmad Anderson, Sean spoke about him. I, I thought he's a phenomenal player. Um, also, uh, Stevie Scott, I thought it was a great get for them as well. Paul Woods is, is another good receiver. Uh, I think Kaswan Abraham, you know, he's a under the radar guy. We're not real sure about him yet, but, you know, a guy that plays cornerback in zone coverage that doesn't really get a chance to showcase a lot on film. So um, Damon Hayes, if you'll remember, he told me this week that, you know, I said, why didn't you get recruited higher? And, and he said that, you know, I didn't have a lot of film. Guys didn't throw at me. So, um, you know, it, it's too soon to write a guy like that off. But, um, you know, Zaheer Lacewell as well, I, th I think, you know, he might be the, the top one coming out of uh, New York and Rutgers uh, 2018 class. So I, I think it's a really good haul for them this year. You know, like I said, in the past, New York's been hit or miss sometimes. But um, I think Rutgers got some good guys out of there. Well, let's talk about some of those good guys. I want to start off on offense. I'm going to ask both of you the same question. Who is the top offensive player Rutgers has committed at this time? Sean, what do you think? You know, uh, I really like Raekwon O'Neal. It's not just because he he's from where my, my mother's family is from, South Carolina, not too far from there. But you you watch the film and, you know, he's, he's a little underweight right now for a Big Ten lineman. He's, you know, about 250, 260, but he really gets after it um, on film in the running game. And I think there was, you know, a lot of people mentioned that first highlight where he like biased him the guy on defense. And I know Mike Farrell mentioned that, you know, he could possibly project the both sides of the ball. But there was another clip maybe a minute later, he, you know, he drove a kid basically out the screen. And, and that was, you know, it, it's it's one of those things, you know, there's a lot of big kids that are linemen and play the position, you know, just because they're big and, you know, they want to play football. But you can you can tell the passion he has. Um he gets after it every play and I mean he'll need to develop uh as a pass blocker, uh, as a tackle, if he's on the edge. But it, you see glimpses of the athleticism to be able to, you know, be a guy that can be an anchor with, with Michael Clark on the other side of the line, down the line at Rutgers. Nice. Uh, he's an exciting prospect. Bobby, I'm going to throw the same question out to you. Top offensive prospect that Rutgers has committed right now. Well, I think you guys know my answer on this one. I've been an Isaiah Pacheco guy since the first time I saw him down at Marcus Hammond's Next Level Camp. or Actually, it was seven-on-seven seven tryouts in, in um, South Jersey. I just think he's, he's, he's the whole package. And, and when you watch him play, he's not just physical. He's not just fast. Um, he has those intangibles. Sometimes when you look at a recruit, you have to think, how are they going to be in a few years? I mean, this kid plays with an edge. He's mature. He's focused. Um, I, I think he's going to do well with the adjustment. I, I just, you know, I 
like every aspect of his game. I thought he was a four-star from the beginning when he only had one or two offers. Um, I wasn't surprised that he blew up the way he did, and I just think um, Rutgers got, has a, landed a really good prospect, who's a guy who's going to be a very productive college player, and uh, I think he should be a four-star right now. Now, it was interesting. I was talking to Pat Rice, who does the team previews for NJVarsity.com, and he had just done Pacheco's high school's uh, preview, and he was under the impression, I don't know if it was from talking to the head coach or it was just his own assessment, that Pacheco might get a look on defense. Have either of you heard anything about that? Yeah, you know, when he first started being recruited, some schools were looking at him as a cornerback. Um, I thought he was a running back from the beginning, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. He's got great athleticism. He's physical. Um, if you're playing at the high school level and you have a guy like that, it just makes sense to get him on the field. So um, if I'm the coach, I'm looking to fit him in wherever I can. Sean, what do you think about him? Do you, have you heard anything about him on defense? Yeah, I mean, you know, he he plays he plays some defense for Violin, and he's you know there, there's a few guys in this class. Um, you know, he fits that mold where you, you really just want to sign him, get him on campus, and then figure it out down the line. You know, if he he can be a corner, um, he could possibly be a safety. Um, you know, they they like him a running back, but he can do a lot of different things. He's just a good enough athlete where you want him in the program. Um, and and just, everything will just figure itself out. You know, with time. So he definitely can possibly play on defense. All right. Well, my next question swings it over to the defensive side. And Bobby, I'm going to ask you this first, because I think through the years, if there's one place where you have been awesome at picking the the top player, the guy who's going to see the field early, it's been on defense. I think you've made some great calls, particularly guys that Rutgers passed on, who eventually went on to have great careers elsewhere. When you look at this Rutgers class right now, the defensive side, who are you most excited about? I'm glad you asked me first because I thought Sean might have stolen my answer. I'm going to say Zaheer Lacewell. Um, uh, you know, we, we just mentioned him before. I mean, you turn on his film, the kid is just, you know, that wow kind of highlight. Um, certain coaches will say, you know, kids get offers after just watching the first few plays. And, and that's how I felt about Lacewell. Um, you know, he's still kind of leaning towards playing receiver, but I think everyone knows it's, it's linebacker. I think he probably even knows it a little bit too. I mean, the Rutgers coaches know it. I mean, Zaheer's own coach knows it. His, you know, teammates of his, they, they just know what he can do on the defensive side of the ball. And while Rutgers has some intriguing prospects, I like Avery Young as well. I, I think did Zaheer Lacewell, as long as, you know, he, he does everything he's supposed to do, he can really be a dynamic linebacker. And that's a position, you know, um, that, that I always enjoy scouting. I'm very hard on, on players when I'm scouting it. But when you get to see good linebacker play, it's, you know, it, it's really enjoyable to watch. And, and I think he has a bright future. All right, Sean. What are you going with Lacewell too? Yeah, I am. You know, it's I, I think back to um, you know, when Shiano was the coach and, you know, we would watch the film on, on the linebackers he would recruit and it's it seemed like one of the, the prerequisites he always had was that his linebackers had to be great athletes. They had to be productive guys on offense as well. Um and I remember watching Steve Longer's film and you know, Cassim Green and Quentin Gauss and all those guys were extremely productive guys on offense and they had the athleticism that carried over on defense. And I see the same thing with Lacewell. Um, you know, you watch his receiver film, you're like, wow, this kid moves extremely well. And then I physically saw him the first time at the passing camp. I'm like, this is a big kid. He's, he's extremely fluid. He's got a big frame, you know, and if it, if it doesn't work out or if he becomes more receptive to being solely a linebacker, um, the sky's the limit. I think he fits the mold of the athletic linebacker that they want to have in, in this particular 4-3 or even 3-4 defense that Ash and um, Neiman are putting together. Nice. 
Well, let's take a look a little bit under the radar. Is there a player that you see, you go, you know what, fans aren't talking about this guy, but I could see him coming in and making an impact early. You know, let's, let's go with Sean on this one. Sean, who are you thinking about? You know, um, Deion Jennings uh, from Timber Creek is a, is a good one. Uh, you know, we, we talked quite a bit about him. You know, he had a, he had a nice growth spurt between, you know, the end of his junior season and his senior season. Uh, he could play a lot of different positions also. Uh, you know, we saw him at the Rivals camp. He, he performed extremely well uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And then we saw him at the, the Rutgers summer camp where he earned the offer. Um, and, you know, he stood out amongst a pack of, of D-backs that were fighting for that offer there. He played mostly corner, but they, they moved around a couple of different positions. And then you see his brother, uh, Adonis, you know, former Rutgers commit now at Temple. Adonis is like 6'4". Uh, I saw his dad at that Rutgers camp. Dad is like 6'6", six, six, you know, 6'5". Um, and they're saying Deion's still growing. So you don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, but he's, you know, comes from a great program, the best program in South Jersey, Timber Creek, uh, that has multiple guys at college level producing. Obviously, Rutgers has quite a few of those guys. And I think he could be someone that, you know, he's a 5'3 right now by rivals. But when it's all said and done, he he's someone that will be productive at the college level, I think. For those of you who don't know, Sean mentioned 5'3". He's talking about the, I think they call it the RR rating. So there's yes. several ways that rivals ranks players. It's They have the star rating, but within each star rating, they have a numerical scale. So within the three-star rating, Sean, what is it, a 5.3, 5. 5.4, 5. 5.5? 5. Uh, yeah, so um, Dion is a five, is a two-star right now, technically. So it's 5.3. It's I think, is it 5.2 to 5.4? The three stars are 5.5 to 5.7. Then four stars are 5.8 to 6.0. And then five star, I believe, is 6.1. Gotcha. All right. So we'll clarify that in a future episode, talk a little bit more about that. But just to give a little context for that. Bobby, who's your under-the-radar guy? I'm going to go with Jarrett Paul on uh, the defensive side of the football. And, and I say that not because of his rival ranking, but because he only had three offers. Um, for a while, Rutgers was the only one. So, uh, you know, played in New York before um, and then moved over to Paramus Catholic. So um, might not have gotten the uh, it might not have gotten the exposure to, to give him a little more visibility with college coaches. But I think he's a big corner and he moves well and he's kind of fits that mold of what Rutgers wants in their cornerbacks, you know, guy who can come up and play press coverage but is still fluid enough to do well in in, in pass coverage and, and I think a lot of teams passed on him a lot of schools passed on him I should say and and I think in the end that they're going to look back and say wow we, we missed the boat on this kid I think he moves very well like I said um, he has some quickness for his size and um, you know everybody everything's trending more towards these big corners and he really fits that mold well I guess I'm a little bit greedy at this point thinking Rutgers is doing well, want to see it continue and, you know, have a, a nice strong ending to the recruiting class. The recruiting class is currently ranked, I believe, 47th or so. And I think they, you know, pulling a couple more three, four star guys, they could improve upon that. So with that said, do either of you have a player or two that you're looking at right now, perhaps a four star guy who has the potential to go in Rutgers direction? Uh, I guess I'll go first. Um, I mean, there's, there's actually, you know, Two guys um, that are teammates uh, at, you know, Don Bosco Prep, State Power, um, on the defensive line, uh, Tyler Friday, who is um, our top-ranked guy in the state. And then you have Marcellus Erlington, a two-sport two star. Uh, and, you know, both those guys are, are still considering Rutgers. And I think 
one of the things that was a big benefit for Rutgers was that the season started in Boston. Guys typically, you know, if they don't decide before the season, you know, they're so locked in. Obviously, when Craig Toll was a coach and then now with Mike Teal, um, you know, they're so locked into the season, you know, it's highly unlikely they make a decision um, during the season. Uh, so that allows Ash and the staff some time to keep working on those guys and, and put a better product out on the field for those guys to see. And, and you know, they definitely uh, – some things need to shake in Rutgers' direction or with some of the other schools that are in consideration for them. Uh, but, you know, there's definitely a chance that they both can end up down in, um, uh, down in uh, New Brunswick. So uh, both a pair of four-star defensive ends, right? Is that where they project at the college level? Well, you know, Tyler is he, – um, he's played some defense for, for Boston, but there's a good chance he's probably a defensive tackle. Uh, and then Erlington is, is playing uh, mainly defensive end for now Boston with some tight end. But he's, he's a big guy, 6'5", 260. You know, you, you get him in strength and condition, and he, he could be 290 easily. Uh, and once he stops playing basketball as well. So he's another guy that possibly could also end up a defensive tackle as well. Bobby, I know those are two guys we've talked about in the past. Is there anybody else that you're looking at who Rutgers has a shot with late late in the recruiting process? You know, um, it's funny you say late because the season hasn't even started. But um, yeah, it's uh, odd that we're recalling this late at this point. I do I do understand that because in the past, this would still be in the thick of it. Well, you know, I think you know Rutgers is going to get a couple more commitments soon, so um, there's not going to be a lot of spots left. So, uh, you know, the two uh, players Sean mentioned are right there, uh, Erlington and and Friday, and. The good part about filling up so early and hanging on to those kids is the staff can be very selective going down the stretch, which means they can target guys who were, had a really productive senior year, maybe guys who, who decommitted from somewhere. So you could throw a net out over some four-star guys, and I think the main targets that will come up after the season aren't really surfacing yet. You always find those guys in December and January who kind of pop up on the radar late. So I think there's a good chance they could really get involved with some players Players, um, you know, with a pretty decent ranking at that time. And, and as Sean said, a lot of it depends on the season, how things shake out. If, if Rutgers comes out and is competitive and wins some games, they'll create a buzz. If they come out and get blown away and it was a repeat of last year, you know, they're going to have trouble hanging on to some of the guys that they have now. So I think the season will change the dynamic of recruiting a little bit. Right. Not only with those two uncommitted guys, but you never know. You have a, a season where you turn some heads and get some unexpected wins you could flip-flop some players who were previously committed elsewhere. Correct. And, you know, we've seen it happen at a lot of places, and, and this season is going to be very telling on, on how this recruiting class finishes out. Um, some of the And let's face it, some of these guys that we're mentioning that are on the cusp of four-star, if they really have good senior seasons, other schools are going to try and poach them. Now, if Rutgers goes 2-10, and 10, that might make their task a little bit easier. Well, Bobby – you are very familiar with the Rutgers team. You're at all the practices, games, everything. You're familiar with the progression of the players that are currently on the on the bench. When you look at this recruiting class, what has been the greatest need that's been met? Or perhaps you might even want to look at it a different way, a need that still needs to be met. Well, I think um, one, one position you're always going to have to fill up and especially needs this year is running back. And I think they did a great job not only getting two running backs early <clears> – <throat> excuse me, but getting two quality running backs early in Pacheco and Stevie Scott. Um, on the other on the other end, um, defensive tackle recruiting has not been stellar since Ash took over, and I think that is, again, a position of need and a position they're really going to have to focus on as this class winds down. Sean, you talk to a lot of the recruits, and 
in the I guess in one of our earlier episodes, Bobby and I were talking about some of the coaches who have been mentioned quite frequently on the recruiting trail in terms of uh, the Rutgers coaches making a strong impression amongst the players and the high school coaches. Uh, from your travels, who are you know maybe one or two of those Rutgers coaches who seem to be doing a pretty good job in the recruiting? I trail? mean, I think you know definitely number one without a doubt would be um, you know offensive line coach, uh, assistant head coach AJ Blazik. He's definitely just has a, a presence about him. You know when you when you see him on the camp circuit, um, you know walking around and just a high energy coach um, relates well to recruits. Very active on social media. Uh, you know, there definitely was a buzz about him, um, you know, when Iowa, his, his alma mater, showed some interest in bringing him back in the program, but Rutgers was able to, to you know, keep him in the fold. Uh, but definitely, you know, even, you know, Rich and I talk about this, even when he visits the linemen during the evaluation period, there was their, their own kind of tour. They called it the um, Our Big Man Tour. And everywhere he visited, he tweeted, I'm in this city, I'm in that city. And, you know, he's the only coach that has that. It's kind of his own thing. And, you know, he's he definitely, I think, is, is the total package, um, you know, in terms of the recruiter. And obviously have done well at the position, um, you know, right off the back end, Michael Clark, Sam Bretman last year, um, Owen Bowles. And even this year with some of the guys they brought in, obviously highlighted by O'Neill uh, from South Carolina. I would say he's he's definitely the, the top guy. And then, um, you know, Bill Bush, who came over with Ash from Ohio State, has a lot of experience. And there's a reason why Ash put him in North Jersey and New York with, you know, all the, the parochials up here and then the city schools that obviously they recruited well. You know, he's another guy, you know, we, we hear about how detailed he is in his recruiting process and following up on guys and making sure they're strong academically and, and just, you know, letting the prospects know uh, that he cares about them. Uh, we've heard a lot about that uh, and, you know, just performance he's had on the road. Well, Sean, I, I've been dying to talk to you about this next topic because I know that you are an NNJIL guy. Uh, you played at TNEC and you have family who played at Hackensack and I'm sure elsewhere. Um, now it's the big North and a lot of fans love to talk about the whole parochial and first public school thing. And I love to look at it in terms of where Rutgers gets the most bang for the buck. Should they put more of their time and effort into the parochials? Should they put more of it into the publics? From your perspective as a guy who played up here where the parochials and publics, it's a big thing, as well as someone who just follows recruiting as a whole, how do you think Rutgers should give up, you know, divvy up its time, its money, its attention? I mean, you, they have to spend time at the Paramus Catholics and the St. Peter's of the world. Like I, I was literally having a conversation with, with my brother today and we're talking about how, you know, back when we were in, in high school, my brother graduated in the early nineties and I was, you know, 2001, you know, they didn't have buses, you know, going down to Union County to bring kids to these schools. It, it was really just, you know, Bergen County, Passaic County and, you know, Rockland County, mostly where these kids are coming from. Uh, there's a, a greater reach now. And, you know, my alma mater was a school where colleges were coming through all the time. We always had guys, we had all Americans. And it's now it seems like everyone is, you know, at Paramus Catholic, St. Joe's, Don Bosco. So it's, you have to go there, um, you know, and it's those, those publics that have the, that talent, even you look at a Montclair, they're probably the most prominent you know, public outside of Ridgewood and Union City in North Jersey, Montclair has, you know, a guy every other year or so, but it's, it's not, it's not the Ricky Cooks that used to be there. And, you know, all the other guys they had, the David Tyrese and whatnot um, from, from years past, but you definitely have to go to those schools first, visit them when you get off the bus 
or the plane in, in Newark um, and, and trying to mine the talent there. Uh, it's it's the reality of the process now. Bobby, down by you, you're at the opposite end of the state. What does the, uh, the power structure look like in terms of public and private? And what are the programs that you see have the most, you know, cachet in terms of recruiting? Well, it's it's mostly all public down here. It's a different dynamic, but um, Timber Creek is is the recruiting capital down here now. Uh, you know, an example of that: a couple of years ago, um, Zaire Williams was playing at Cherokee. I think he had one offer, maybe from a small school. Uh, if that, uh, he transferred to Timber Creek, and within two, you know, six weeks, he had seven or eight offers. Went on to play at Temple and transferred out. I'm not sure where, um, where's he at now, Sean. I don't I don't know where he's at right now. Um... Well, I don't. I don't know. To be honest, maybe Maine. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, th- I think you're correct. Um, but anyway, it, it just shows you, you know, what's really changed since since a kid like that went from one school to Timber Creek. Well, in Timber Creek, all the college coaches come through there. They know Coach Henson there. He does an excellent job of of getting guys recruited. So that is is um, you know the the big stopping spot down here. But I mean, there are other schools. Coaches are going to go where there is talent. Obviously, Cedar Creek has been um, productive in the last few years with the Mitchell brothers, Bo Melton, now his younger brothers coming up. Owen Bowles was there. So I mean, everything else is a little bit of spattering. You know, um, down in Millville and Vineland, they're starting to pick things up down there with uh, D1 recruits. Um, Dennis Thomas is doing a great job at Millville, former Rutgers running back. Um, so it, it's starting to spread out a little bit. And, uh, you know, Preston Brown doing a great job at Wilson High in Camden. Um, it, it's it's just, um, you know, it, it's spreading it, it, not just Timber Creek, but that, that I think, kind of started it. And you're seeing these programs follow suit. And, and there's, there's starting to be more guys produced down here. A lot of people in South Jersey, too, you know, maybe have, I want to say, maybe a chip on their shoulder because all these offers go out to North Jersey first. Um, kids at parochial schools will get offers just based on the school. You know, we've seen some in the past. Now, whether those offers are committable a year later, that's another question. But um, it seems like a lot of people down this end feel that coaches take a little bit longer to get down this way. But uh, you see NC State coming in here a lot, um, starting to recruit New Jersey. So you're seeing a lot of schools. But uh, it starts with Timber Creek and, and other schools are you know starting to follow suit, as I, as I mentioned. Now, we talked a little bit before about how Rutgers is expanding into some other areas. And I want to just get a sense from the two of you whether you thought Rutgers was looking far enough abroad outside of New Jersey or whether they need to double up their efforts inside the Garden State. Sean, what do you think? You know, it, it, compared to past staffs, I, what I've noticed is Ash has the whole coaching staff. Um, it has a part of New Jersey. So that's that's one. So I would, I would say they're increasing their efforts locally versus, you know, there may be, you know, when you had a Jeff Halfley, yeah, it made sense. Let him, let him handle all North Jersey. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Shion with Flood had less guys in the state versus what Ash is doing now. Um, but then, you know, with new coaches and, and having relationships, you know, it, it makes sense for those guys to go into the schools that they've recruited in the past and say, hey, I'm at a new school. I'm the same guy, same morals. And, you know, this is I feel strongly about this school. You should consider it. Um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Jafar Williams and, you know, initially people were skeptical with him going into Georgia uh, because Rutgers hasn't really been down there. Uh, but that's the state he's recruited. He recruited at Kent State. He recruited at Purdue, um, and you know they've they've had some success uh, with two guys in this class, and and they may have more going forward. Bobby, what do you think? More outside of New Jersey, or double up the efforts inside the state? 
You know, I, I think sometimes I think kids in, in it, you know, there's overrated recruits everywhere. I think it's about doing your due diligence. Now, you do, to play devil's advocate, you do run the risk of getting a guy that you don't know as well because he's not in your backyard. And I always point back to the Rashad Knight example. I believe it was the class of 2008 or nine. Um, one, no, 2010, I'm sorry. Uh, it was when Jeremy Deering and all those guys came in. Rutgers struggled in the state of New Jersey. They were struggling to piece together a class at, at come signing day, and they wound up getting a bunch of uh, Florida recruits. Uh, Kenny Kersey, um, Juwani Mera, Rashad Knight was part of that. <clears throat> and at the time, he was a four-star. Um, it looked like a great get. He had all these offers, but when you look deeper into it, <clears throat> a lot of the schools had cooled on him for character issues, and he wound up never playing at Rutgers left was a problem in the program so um, a guy like that you take a chance on maybe you don't know him that well they look good with the offers they look good with the four stars but you just might not know the ins and outs the way you do a kid that lives a half hour from campus so um, I I think it's really about doing your due diligence and and, you know if you're going to recruit these areas get to know them I don't think you can recruit Georgia and Missouri and Ohio and California thoroughly and, and really know every in there, maybe a few offers here, a few offers there, but you won't get to know the kids the same way you will uh, as the ones in your backyard in the state of New Jersey. Well, with that, we're going to end it, gentlemen. I want to thank you so much for being on. Sean, we are going to buy you a nice mic, nice headset, so you can become an official member of our podcast crew. That's how I welcome everybody to the team. So you did a beautiful job. Um, folks, those of you out there listening, if you do not come to scarletnation.com on a regular basis, We invite you to come by. We have free articles on the main page. We also have premium offerings. If you choose to join us as a premium member, you not only get all of the articles on the site, you get all of the articles on the Rivals.com network. You also get access to our premium message board, the Roundtable, which I think is just an awesome place where you get to mix it up, talk to other really strong Rutgers fans who have an incredible knowledge and passion for the team. You also get to talk to the likes of Bobby Derrett and Sean Brown and Richie Schneiderite, other members of our staff, ask some questions, and just uh, hang out and be part of the team here. So on behalf of all of us, I'd just like to thank the gentleman who joined us today and thank all of you for listening. Until next time, see you later, folks.